great to be worshiping with you. Welcome this morning. We are in a series here called Summit Life. Summit Life. Man, we are Summit Point Church. We've been going on this new name here then this month, just been the last few weeks. And as we launch this new name, Summit Point Church, we're talking about what it means to have that mountaintop experience, that daily, regular, uh, blown away by your God experience, that Summit Life experience with your God. And so each of the weeks in this series, we're talking about different facets of what we can experience with our God, right? And so we've looked back from the beginning here each week at a person who was called up to a hilltop or a mountaintop to a summit to have a moment with their God. And, and if you look back on the different experiences there, we saw the, my Lord will provide like God is a providing God and we can trust in him. Abraham talking about that moment and the hope that he had there on that hillside that his God provides. And more than just God providing, God answers prayer. God answers prayer. And Moses with his hands raised in the air and declaring out, Lord, please provide victory for Israel. And with his hands in the air, God giving victory there. The Lord answers prayer. We can experience that daily and regularly. And this past week we looked at what it means to experience the glory of God, to be blown away by his goodness. Don't miss that. When God reveals his glory, he could reveal his thunderous perfection and holiness. But when he chose to reveal his holiness, he said, let me reveal it in my goodness, in my mercy. We have a God who reveals out his awesome, perfect love. And all of God's people said, it's a huge deal. And so this week we're looking at what it means to experience his promise. What it means to experience his promise fulfilled in a huge way. When God says it, God does it. Lord, may we count on you and lean on you with all we've got. So turn with me, if you will, to Deuteronomy 34, starting in verse 1. Deuteronomy 34, starting in verse 1, and, and uh, Lord, we long to experience your promise fulfilled. How do we go about doing that? Point number one, be in awe of the fullness of God's promises. Be in awe of the fullness of God's promises. Grasp the breadth of God's promises and be in awe, right? It starts with our understanding his promises and we move from there. So let's just dive in here. Deuteronomy 34, starting in verse 1, it says, Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land. We're just going to hold right there. It starts out, Then Moses went up from the plains. Then. Then went. Like, what's going on? Let's make sure we grasp it. This is Deuteronomy 34. So the book's written by Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. This is the last chapter in the last book of those written by Moses, right? And so you end up with this story of Moses going on when it says, then he's looking back at the whole of his interaction. Remember over the last couple of weeks, we talked about Moses and all of Israel, the nation of Israel being released out of Egypt. And as they came out of Egypt, because of the plagues that were brought by God, Pharaoh said, just get them out of here. And so Israel came out, Moses leading the way. 
As they got to the Red Sea, Moses ends up crying out to God and the sea parts and they walk across on dry land and as they get to the other side, the waters crash back down. They have been saved. Everybody say saved. Don't forget that word. It's going to be huge today. Saved. And as they came through, they then went on to a location where they began to get a little bit upset. Rephidim. They're like, is it over yet? Are we there yet? Why isn't there any water? It became every nightmare vacation you've ever been on, right? And as they were beginning to take this trip and talk about the water, God ends up having Moses reveal out the water. He takes the stick and his staff and he ends up hitting this rock by command of God and the water comes out and provides for them. And then right after it, they're attacked by the Amalekites and Moses raising up his arms and crying out and they have victory because of the prayer, God doing a work. They started with a water problem, don't forget that, and coming out into the the wilderness, it's now been 40 years of traveling and they've come to this point where in fact just a little bit ago they just had a water problem on the back end of the 40 years and God said just speak to the rock and it will come. We'll talk a little bit more about what happened with that in just a moment. But this water moment and then Moses ending up knowing this is it, this is the end of my time, I'm bringing them into the promised land, coming right up to the edge of it. Moses, having gone through the whole 40 years, seeing the victories and the signs and the wonders and all the great things that have gone on. So Moses takes chapter 33, actually, to cry out a blessing across all the different tribes of Israel. Chapter 34, verse 1. Then, okay, so we got the perspective now. Then, Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. He's on the Jordan side. He's able to look out over and see from Mount Nebo this view that's going on of the promised land. He is up there on top, across from Jericho. By the way, just so you know, the name Jericho, it actually means like fragrance, but, but it, many called it the city of palms. We'll see it called that in just a second here. It has palm trees in the middle of a desert. It's like an oasis moment because of the water that was flowing through. And so Jericho, one of those few uh, kind of green areas around that spot. And he's looking across at Jericho and out across all of the promised land. It says, the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan, all of Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negev and the plain that is the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees. There you go, the definition of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. And the Lord said to him, this is the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. Promise. He made a hardcore, this is the land that I promised. This is what I was talking about with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Don't lose sight of the fact that that was some five, six hundred years earlier. It's a long time, everybody said it's a long time ago. But God knows exactly what he's doing and when he promised Abraham, he was following through exactly on plan and this was coming to fruition. He said, I'm going to give it to your offspring. This is a positive promise. Everybody just say positive promise. 
It's a really big deal that we grasp that there are promises that have positive impact and then there are promises that have negative impact and both of those are how our God works. He makes it clear what he's going to be doing and this is a positive promise. He's making it clear that he had said to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that they would have this land for their offspring and this is that land. Can you imagine the moment as he brings Moses up there and he's showing him the promised land and he says, this is what I was talking about with Abraham. And he looks out at the expanse and he sees all of the land that is going to be handed over. This glorious picture of God does what he says. And that is a huge moment in Moses' life to be able to see God fulfilling a 500 plus year old promise. And then he says, I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. You shall not go over there. Everybody just say negative promise. Okay, the reality is that Moses, when he was dealing with that little water problem that I brought up, when he was dealing with that water problem just a little bit earlier, God says, hey, do me a favor. I want you to say to the rock, give me water. Speak it. Moses says, got it. He gets in front of the people and then he loses it. And he starts raising up. He's like, you rebels. Actual quote. You rebels. He starts declaring out to them that they are rebellious in their heart. But he says, don't you think that we could deliver water from this rock? Hopefully you hear a little problem in that moment. And uh, as he begins to take credit for, as he begins to say, how dare you question me, he turns with the staff and he smacks the rock twice, hammers it hard. God chooses in his graciousness to allow the water to come out anyway, but he did not do what he was supposed to do. He did not speak. Everybody say, that's a bad plan. Dude, when God gives you clear direction, best we follow that direction. And all of God's people said, may we absolutely follow through. And after that came down, while the water was provided, God said, Moses, because of your not trusting me, because of your disbelief, you're not going to be able to go into the promised land, negative promise. Like, hang on, man. It's really important that these people understand that under full trust in me alone, they will move into the promised land. This cannot go further. You're going to be able to see it, but you won't be able to enter it. It's a huge deal. Very big deal that we grasp that God had both a positive promise to the land and a negative promise right here in this passage, and he's fulfilling both of them. He's like, I, I've let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. And God actually followed through in his statement. I'm going to let you see it. I'm going to talk with you over it. We're going to have a special moment of celebration, just you and me on it. But there is going to be some level of cost to this. It's a huge deal. And Numbers chapter 20 is where that negative promise was given, if you want to ever go look at it and check into it. But it talks about Moses being this servant of the Lord that died according to the word of the Lord. I just want to make sure we grasp this. Uh, Moses is written in 
Hebrews chapter 11 as a man of faith. Moses is talked about as a man who is saved and who is trusting. But we better understand that sin in this world can have consequence in this world. And all of God's people said. And saved means there won't be eternal consequence. Praise God that Jesus Christ carries that eternal consequence on him. Man, if you believe that Jesus died, if you confess him as risen, if you are saved, your eternal debt covered in Christ at the cross. Praise God. But know this, there can be temporary consequences here on this earth because of the decisions we make. And our sin can bring with it a world of hurt. Man, make sure you don't toy with sin. Super important that we grasp that God makes real on his promises, that he protects along the way and that he works with us. Even for us today, we have promises that we can claim. And uh, yes, Moses was working with Israel in the promised land, but we have promises today. And I'll just, I wrote eight of them down here. We can just write these down pretty fast if you want to write even the verses down. All right, here we go. Promises we can count on. Number one, John 3, 16. God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. John 3, 16, he loves you. Here's a second promise. Romans 10, 9. If you believe that he has risen from the dead and confess him as Lord, you will be saved. It does not say might be saved. If you believe he is risen and you confess him as Lord, you are in charge of my life. Saved. Do you let Christ reign in your life? Are you handing him your soul? You're in charge. Do you believe he has risen from the dead? And that's saved. Promise. Third one, Romans 8.1. The rest of these are going to be from Romans 8. Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ. There is no eternal consequence. There is no condemnation for our sin if you have trusted Christ. Romans 8, 1. Here's the fourth one. Romans 8, 14 through 16. You are called his children forever. You are adopted. Romans 8, 14 through 16. You are his child. Family of God. Man, if you trust Christ, promise you are adopted into his home. So he loves you, wrote John 3.16. If we believe and confess, we are saved, Romans 10.9. If we are saved, there is no condemnation, Romans 8.1. We are adopted into his home as children, Romans 8.14-16. Number five, Romans 8.18-21. We will have eternal, glorious life. Romans 8.18-21. There is an eternity coming. And there is a a longing for it right now, but it is just around the corner. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Don't miss it, man. Glory, glory, glory. Romans 8, 18 through 21. Here's another one, Romans 8, 26. We are not alone in this world. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. And when we are wordless, he cries out on your behalf. The Holy Spirit groaning on your behalf. Romans 8, 26. Number 7, Romans 8, 28 through 30. 
He works all things together for good to them that love him. Man, God has a plan. Everybody say, God has a plan. And he is working to raise you to look more like Christ tomorrow than today. Make sure you know that as you trust him and love him, he's working all things for good. And the last one I wrote down here, Romans 8, 37 through 39. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Hope, he loves you. Hope, at the end, bookending it. And nothing can separate you from that love. There is a love that transforms here in this world and it lasts for all eternity. Don't miss the promises of God. I love Romans chapter 8. It is a massive chapter on promises. May we claim those with all we've got and celebrate him. It says here that Moses died. It says, and he was buried in the valley in the land of Moab opposite Beth Peor. Who buried him? If you look closely. The Lord is the one who buried him. It says, according to the word of the Lord, he had passed away. And he, the Lord, buried him in the valley of the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows the place of his burial to this day. There are some thoughts, and if you go over to Israel and Jordan, there are some who will point out they think they've got the place, but I'm telling you, it's not known exactly. Why? Because this was between God and Moses. This was one of the most amazing visitation and funeral moments known to man as God took this man of God and took him away privately and had a moment of celebration for what has been going on with Israel and through Moses. It says his eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. And all those older ones in here with me say, amen. His eye was unabated. I don't even know exactly what it means, vigor and unabated and eyes undimmed, but somehow this dude had it going on at 120 years old. 120, man, and he had it rocking. And the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. There was a moment of loss and of celebration for who Moses is, and there was a declaration of the promise that God gives our God brings promise. And all of God's people said, Charles Spurgeon brought this quote, found this this week. He says, the sacred promises, though in themselves most sure and precious, are of no avail for the comfort and sustenance of the soul unless, unless you grasp them by faith, plead them in prayer, expect them by hope, and receive them with gratitude. Our job with the promises of God, may we grasp them by faith. May we plead them by prayer. Lord, you have promised this and I long to see you do this work. I cannot wait to see you move. Grasp, plead, expect them by hope. You promise so it's true. I'm in. I'm trusting you. And then receive them with gratitude as God so lavishly pours them on. Man, our job with the promises of God is to be experts of what the promises are and lean on them with all we have. Count on those eight promises we just went through. Count on the fact that our God is bringing salvation that lasts both here and now and for all eternity. Long for God to be glorified in your life.
It's a huge deal as we go after the promises of God. It is so easy for us to get only wrapped up in the things that are just sort of about the feel good for me here and now. May we grasp that the promises that God talks about last for all eternity and they deal with our salvation and his glorification. May God truly get all the glory. So simple question. How are you doing at claiming the promises of God, at grasping and pleading and expecting and being thankful along the way? Are you living for the promises of God? That's point number one. Point number two, follow the man who follows God, knowing that the church is ultimately Christ, not ours. Follow the man who follows God, knowing that the church is ultimately Christ, not ours. It says here, and Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses has laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. In Deuteronomy 32, just a couple chapters back, Moses lays his hands on Joshua. There is this massive declaration that this is the one who will lead Israel going forward. Joshua, full of the spirit of wisdom. God is doing something huge in Joshua, and he is now going to lead them. Remember, Joshua is the one who ends up taking them across the river. And the first place they come to is Jericho, the city of Palms, and they end up doing the march around and the walls collapse and God provides and, and this is someone who God is going to be working in and through. And why? Because Joshua very humbly and very passionately is pointing to the glory of God Almighty. And Israel was right to do what they were doing and following him. And simple statement, make sure you are following those who are following Christ. Make sure you are going after your God with all you've got. Follow those who follow him. Man, if they're pointing to him and making much of him, then that's a great place to be running in those footsteps. Have you ever been walking in the snow when it gets higher, like up to your knee or your thigh, and you're with somebody else, and they're ahead of you, right? And then what's the next thing you do? You start aiming for their footprints, right? The whole way along, that's what they're talking about. Make sure you are walking in a way that follows after the one who is following after God. Put your foot where their feet have been. May God get all the glory. And it's a huge deal to be able to follow hard after those that are following our God. And humble faith, humble obedience. Joshua was showing all of it. He was pointing to the one who is God Almighty. It says here, so the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. They were following through just like Moses was told to tell them to. It says, and there has not risen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Now, it's really important that we grasp this. This last part of Deuteronomy, right? This is a book we say, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, all written by Moses. But it's kind of hard for Moses to write the closing chapter when it's about his passing away and his funeral and who follows him, right? And so there was somebody else writing this and they were saying, just so we're clear, like up to the point of the writing of this book, there hasn't been anybody else following through. 
I mean, if it was Joshua writing it, he's like, it isn't me. I'm not worthy. Like whoever it is that closed out this book was saying, I'm just telling you this, no one like Moses since then. And it's a huge deal that we grasp that because there's a fulfillment coming in and through Moses' statement. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. You may want to write this verse down. Deuteronomy 18, 15. It says, this is Moses talking to the people. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in, their, in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I commanded. There was a guy named Moses who took him out of Egypt. 40 years, got right to the promised land, but not taking them in. And Moses said to him, you need to know this, there's another one coming after me. And you need to be following him with all you've got. As this book closes out, Deuteronomy 34, it says, hadn't seen him yet though. Hadn't seen him yet when this closed out and was written. Man, I'm just telling you, it is absolutely important that we grasp who Moses is. It says, there has not arisen one like him since, listen what it says, none like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent to him to do in the land of Egypt, to, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all of Israel. Signs and wonders. Everybody say signs and wonders. Don't lose that. It's going to be super important in just a second. I want to make sure we grasp this. None like him had come at the time that Deuteronomy 34 was closed out. But you need to grasp this word, man. Hear me now. Genesis chapter 3. Sin had just occurred. Statement of sin is going to be devastating. And God's promise in Genesis 3.15. Know this. That there will be one that comes from woman. And while his heel will be bruised, he will crush Satan's head. There is a promise that the offspring coming from will be the solution to all sin. Guaranteed. Crush Satan's head. Now we st Amen, man. We're not even done. Now we start looking for offspring. The way to read the Bible is you are looking for offspring. Who is this one? And you get down to just a little bit later with Moses. And Moses is taking this whole nation, the offspring of Abraham. And Abraham was promised, I'm telling you this, your offspring are going to be like the sands of the sea. I'm telling you this, the world is going to be blessed through your offspring. Abraham's offspring becoming Israel. Moses now walks them through and to the physical promised land but there is one greater coming man there is an offspring coming through Israel and the promise is going to be stunning and some 1400 years after the time of Moses Christ hits this earth the God of the universe who steps down and becomes the offspring in the bloodline the solution of Genesis 3 the promise of Deuteronomy 18 he is the offspring and all of God's people said, amen, man. Don't miss it. He is the greater Moses, Jesus. 
Moses was leading a physical nation into a physical promised land. Jesus is leading all those spiritually who will follow into an eternal promised land. He is our king. And all of God's people said, don't miss it, man. This is the story. There is offspring, and he is our solution. And he puts it all to rest. He crushed the head of Satan when he died on that cross and rose again. He is alive, and it is awesome and stunning who Jesus is for us. Now some verses to back it up. Don't ever just take my word for it, right? <laughs> Hebrews 3, 5. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. Moses as servant. Jesus as son. And we, we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope is in him. Man, this promise that Jesus is greater than Moses. Moses is the servant. Jesus is the son. He is our hope in all things. Man, who are you following? Who are you following today? Are you putting your hope in Jesus Christ? As Peter faced a large group of Jewish people, Acts chapter 2, as he's beginning to make it clear who Jesus is, he says, Acts 2, verse 22, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with, ready, mighty works and wonders and signs. Signs and wonders. Do you remember that statement that we just read? Moses was a man of great signs and wonders, but there's another coming after me. Jesus, great Miracle works, wonders, and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. He's saying, hear this, Jesus is the greater Moses. He is the one who not only died like Moses did, but he rose again. There have been works and wonders through Jesus, including life. People brought back to physical life and now spiritual life. We have hope because of Jesus Christ. He is the one who is putting an end to all things sin from an eternity perspective. May God get all the glory. Peter skips forward, verse 36 of Acts 2. He says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. He is the greater Moses. He is the one to be followed. He is the one to be trusted in. He is our God. It says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. Man, it is time to get after being with Jesus Christ and follow him with all you've got. Here's my question. Do you recognize your sin? Do you grasp your imperfection? Do you admit that you are coming up short? Do you? Don't toy with it, man. 
God calls us to the consequence of our sin. Are you willing to put your sin before your God and say, I'm wrong? Do you believe, not just admit, but do you believe that Jesus is risen from the dead? He is alive. He is the one who is greater than anyone else. This, the Jewish people looked to Moses and they longed for one greater. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the King of kings, he is the Lord of lords, and he rules over all. Do you believe that Jesus is risen from the dead? Do you confess him as your Lord? You take charge, God. No more me on the throne of my heart, you're on the throne of my heart. You take over. Are you willing to follow him? Dude, that's saved. Peter is like, repent, done with your sin, and turn to Jesus Christ. Believe he is risen, confess him as Lord, hand it to him. Are you in? Man, sitting right where you are today, are you in? Are you willing to see Jesus as your God? Are you willing to claim the promises from God Almighty and say, you're my king? Your love for me can't ever be taken away. And I'm leaning on you with all I've got. Are you in? And if you believe that Jesus is risen, if you confess him as Lord, promise you are saved. Trust in him with all you've got. Peter goes on after the repent and be baptized. He says, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise, everybody say promise, is for you and for your children and for all who are far, far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Men, are you willing to hear the call of Jesus Christ and come? Are you willing to put your life in his hands? But please note, he doesn't just say repent. He says, and be baptized. Man, take a stand for the one who took a stand for you. Are you saved? Do you believe in him? Are you willing to set it all aside for him? Man, right here and right now, maybe you're in the, I don't know. I don't know if I've done that. It's time to put a stake in the ground right here then. And say, Lord, I long for you to be my savior. I admit I'm wrong, I've sinned, I've done things that need to be gone. I believe you are risen. And I confess you as my Lord, take over. And that's saved. And just right here, right now, put that stake in the ground. And if you have done that, have you taken the next step that comes along with this and be baptized? First belief, then baptism. As Jesus Christ, the offspring, the hope from Genesis 3, the hope to Abraham, the hope to Moses, the promise of the one greater than Moses, as he came and died, was buried and rose, he is our hope. As he lived that out for us, are you willing to take a stand for him? Man, may we claim his promises. And may we stand up alongside of him and say, I am a promised child. I have life because of him. I have hope because of him. I stand with my Savior. Man, are you in?
Here's the deal. We've got a lot of people in this room this morning, and I'm telling you, I guarantee you there are some in this room right now that are like, I'm saved, I'm in, I get it. And there are some in here right now where you're going, I don't know. Right now's the time, right here's the place to anchor in with him and say, Lord, I'm with you. Please forgive me. I'm with you. Please forgive me. Hand your soul to him. 